0: find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Pick a
1: platform that's in the center, that is robust, available, 24-7, that's industry-recognized, that has a lot of good investment on the platform to make it available like a utility, and then add the applications that drive benefits in your business. So whether it's point of sale, point of service, kitchen display systems, credit card loyalty, aggregators, but get the endpoint right first, get the backbone right first.
0: This is Tim Brown, who is the vice president of f Global Solution Engineering at Oracle. Tim has nearly 30 years of hospitality experience both from operating hospitality businesses, but also advising on tech solution he leads a team of international experienced consultants who work with F&B brands across the globe to optimize the employee and customer experience through technology so I was very excited to get him the show and talking about technology and hospitality because this has evolved so fast over the last couple of years and it would be very interesting to hear his views on how this is actually impacts the way the service styles we have but also the different experiences we want to create across the different sectors in hospitality and the interesting thing that tim starts off with saying is that multi-revenue stream has been one of the you know key wins from the pandemic but now it's actually time to step back and look at all the things we implement especially when it comes to revenue stream and actually plan and streamline a bit more about how we optimize both the touch point on the customers and the employee journey. And we take a deep dive into what the the challenges with this huge adaption of technology has brought over the last 18 months and what it means for operators right now and how they should approach these challenges to get better results short and long term. Tim raises an interesting question in this conversation on how we actually can help the frontline better with tech, especially due to the staffing crisis going on right now and the pressures this has Brought to the operators after opening again. And he says that it's very important that tech now really goes in and remove these low value tasks from employees and staff in the front line so they can focus on the high value tasks around the hospitality experience. And he shares his views on what the trends are as we're going forward. And he says, one of the key trends we need to be aware of is that how do we use all this data we already have better, especially so we can improve forecasting in all areas of the operation. There's some big golden nuggets to win here, he believes. And he shares how he sees hospitality will come back over the next 18 months. And he gives some stellar advice on how leaders can navigate the wind of change. Before you tune in, please sign up for a weekly newsletter packed with more Maverick insights, strategies and tools. Find the link in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. Grab your coffee and notebook. There's some great insights in this conversation how to navigate digital transformation and improving the use of tech tools in your business. Today, we will touch on a subject uh, I have been, you know, very personally interested in for many years, uh, which is digital transformation hospitality, also something that we have talked about a lot during, you know, the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, where these things really got speed up the whole digital arena of things. But we're also going to talk about a bit like how do we actually use these digital tools to become this agile industry we need to be? How do we meet the customers and the employees demands as they have to us as we go forward and the increasing complexity we need to deal with to make a healthy business model and to that i have a really really great guest today uh, somebody with a strong background in hospitality but also in hospitality tech and uh, that's tim from from oracle so welcome to the show tim hi michael how are you thanks for inviting me on today I'm very well, thank you. I'm so glad that you took the time out uh, to have a conversation with this because I know you know you just don't have experience from it right here and now. You have had decades of experience in seeing how technology and digital transformation, at uh, the hot word is, has evolved in hospitality over the the, the many 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 twenty years uh, or something. So like, and you have been, you know, you came from the front line and into tech. So you understand it from from both sides. So could you just give people a bit of, you know, uh, an elevator pitch about you, your background, uh, what your role is with Oracle and what kind of role you play with your with your clients?
1: Sure. Um, Yes, I've been in I've been in hospitality, food and beverage uh, all my working life. Uh, Actually started in in hotels and restaurants when I was a youngster, like we all do. Um, and then I went and worked into hotels in central London. I've been in food and beverage technology for about 30 years, so from when first electronic point-of-sale systems came out, uh, I started working in hotels on them, and then I joined Microsystems that some of you will probably know and your audience will probably know, and then through the acquisition around about seven years ago, I joined Oracle, and uh, I'm part of the Oracle food and beverage team. Um, People ask you know, Oracle and food and beverage. What does it mean? Do we provide solutions for our canteens? No, we we have a business unit um, that's focused purely on the food and beverage technology. So, from whether it's the in-store, the above-store, the e-commerce, the the consumer side of it, um, and we've got a worldwide team that's based in the four continents. Uh, and I look after sort of three divisions: uh, solution engineering, which is Um, traditionally the pre-sales function so a team of trusted advisors that go in and help our customers get the best out of technology. Um, I also look after our resellers uh, and channel partners globally and then a smaller team but equally important I have a solution consulting team who not only take the 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 tech that we offer but actually help our customers um, implement that technology. So you know, food and beveraging is a key part of of the Oracle business unit strategy, um, and th- and that's why I fit in the big Oracle equation.
0: And and Tim, uh, it's super interesting to 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 have you on board because you're we're going to have a conversation where we're not just going to talk about you know how do you you know how do you choose the right technology, but also how do. you get it implemented, because that's one thing, choosing it. Another thing is making it work for you. Like anything else, it's a it's a process of change. But I wanted to start somewhere else. There's been a lot of conversations and chatter around about what's actually happened over the last you know, 18 months. We really moved the roadmap for technology and hospitality. But what, what, from where you're sitting and with your huge experience, where are we well, when it comes to the level of digitalization? Because some some before pandemic, there was no doubt about we were behind many other industries but where are we now?
1: Well I think it's interesting because you know historically we're a service industry you know whether it's food and beverage or hospitality and the challenge is being how whether it's front of house technology or back of house technology how does that technology play to give a really good customer experience and when we just focus on, on one particular area and we think that our industry is slightly behind but We've been using technology in different guises for a number of years. You know, tech, tech and digitalisation always played a role. But what the pandemic did was accelerate a particular area. Um, and and this was a necessity because, you know, operators to survive had to pivot very, very quickly or they didn't have a business. Um, so what was interesting is is seeing over the last two years how, Those that were resistant to technology suddenly pivoted their business and technology became a key component of that. You know, the takeaway, the delivery, the the dining room outside of the restaurant. It actually lent itself to I need a technology platform. How can I get it quickly? I'm not really worried about what it looks per se, but I just need something to take off premise orders. That's probably accelerated the digitalized world probably by about 24 months. You know, but I think I think the challenge now that we face is we've got all the technologies that are out there. There's lots of companies doing niche little products here, there and everywhere. But, you know, coming through the pandemic, how do we how do we balance between great tech, great service and also a customer journey that that is relevant? And we're just not giving tech for tech sake. And I think that's the important thing
0: that's super interesting because what you are saying is actually there's maybe time now to to step back and look at what you've done and actually evaluate the impact it has on the customer journey and then i guess also on the employee journey because it can both be negative or positive i know from my own experience when you implement technology each way on other side either side of it um what what have you seen that like you know let's say the pioneers you know uh what are the typical traits they're doing now around digitalization? What are they doing to assess this and stop up and actually make sure did we get this right and what do we need to go forward? I,
1: I think it's very interesting because we, we compare to other industries, like there's a lot of parallels drawn with retail, for instance, and, and people say, well, retail do a really good, you know, digitalization and consumer. Actually, we're doing a discredit to the food and beverage business. Because if you go back sort of five or even 10 years ago, actually same-day delivery, 30 minute collection, and when we think about supermarket e-commerce now or DIY or or anything that we order online, if you go back and think about pizza delivery back in the late 90s and, and the early noughties, you know, they pioneered pizzas within 30 minutes delivered to your doorstep. So actually the food and beverage industry gets a lot of bad press in that we're behind the technology but in some aspects if we think about same day same time 30 minute delivery pickup and collection we're actually we were actually ahead of the game you know in if you think about point of sale and connected systems and 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 pizza hut in the UK for instance that I worked with um, in in sort of the early 2000s they actually pioneered you know you order a, a pizza and you have it delivered guaranteed within 30 minutes now, a lot of supermarket chains would love to be at that juncture at the moment where you order something and it's delivered or clothing or everything else. So I think I think food and beverage has in some areas in terms of consumer commerce, got a bit of a way to catch up personalization. Um, but I think we've we've actually been at the forefront of a lot of digital in some sectors. Now, I have to preface that in some sectors we've been um, quite uh, advanced in others they are playing catch up
0: and it's quite interesting you are you're mentioning retail as well because that's all well so where you see the store format is really has been changing as well on the back of technology and i guess you're seeing that in restaurants now because you said you said it very well that it was just a need you just had to adapt or die in principle do you think that uh, technology is gonna have uh, such a huge role to play as as there's lots of comments on in the moment that if you don't have very strong in your digital transformation, you're probably not gonna exist in in five years time.
1: I, I think what we're seeing is is sectors morphing, um, and what I mean by that is is we probably had you know, if you actually analyze quick service, casual dining, table service, stadium, hotels, et cetera, there's probably about 13 or 14 different service styles. I think as we saw with fast casual, which is you've got casual dining meets quick service and fast casual was born. We're now seeing operators offer all different channels. So some operators will have an on-premise casual dining experience, but a delivery function, they might do curbside, they might have a quick service concept, um so i think what what we've seen during the pandemic is the traditional casual dining table service have have opened up to how do i expand my dining room how do i offer delivery as if i'm a pizza restaurant or a quick service restaurant how do i do curbside collection you know curbside in the us in casual dining was quite prevalent before the pandemic collection from a casual dining establishment is now the norm over here we see how delivery has just taken over but it's going to be interesting over the next 18 months maybe what happens with delivery are we going to see people taking that back more in-house are we going to see people developing their brands when we look at different sectors and when we do research whether it's the theme parks that we did recently or stadiums or even the the, the quick service places you know it's really interesting mcdonald's where you know, you read some articles about their menu during lockdown was a lot slimmer and they, people were more happy and staff were more happy and supply chain was easier. So will we see drive throughs change, you know, with, you know, I'm going a bit left field here, but with the advent of car technology, whether it's Tesla or Ford or whoever, is that we won't actually need to have drive through pillars in, in a car park. We will just have the car connected to the food and beverage quick service restaurant and you'll speak to your car you'll pay for it and then you'll just collect it at collection windows. You know, stadiums are another interest in, you know, in the UK over here. We've never been allowed to serve alcohol in the Premier League in in the bowl because it wasn't allowed. But with those trials coming next year, that they might start to introduce food and beverage in seats. And then what, what does that mean about the, the concession stands? Will, will we be queuing up at half time or will we have, you know, collection lockers where you order on your mobile device or in your seat and you walk to a collection point which is serviced by a whole kitchen production area at the back of house. So, so I think pandemic has, has been good for some aspects. It, it, it was terrible for the industry, don't get me wrong, but it's made the industry pivot and look at multiple service styles um, and, and drive sales in different ways. And then technology obviously plays a really important part in that. Is how do they pivot from an on-prem to an off-prem? How do they take advantage of aggregators? How do they, you know, be very uh, dynamic and rapid in bringing technology to the market? But then that brings its own challenges. Is how do you get consistency?
0: Yeah, and that's very interesting. You say challenges because I was thinking of that. You know, the impact you know technology has, and we we touched on it just a couple of minutes ago about the employee and customer journey. What are the typical things you're seeing now that happens after, you know, a lot of people have implemented a lot of tech? You know, it's not just one thing. They maybe implemented five new things and, you know, they kept us alive. They kept the doors open. It did all the things you need to do. But now as we step back and we look forward, we find out there may be even some challenges around these technologies. They don't talk together. It could be infrastructure, again, Wi-Fi connection, whatever it is, physical things that you To serve all these revenue streams, you need physically different. What are the typical things you're seeing out there?
1: I I term it spaghetti. We're we're creating um, a spaghetti architecture. And we did that because there was a need during the pandemic. So there was was little thought into how do we bring this all together? Um, It was about how do we get solutions to market very, very quickly, rough and ready. You know, I've just got to get them in the hands of the consumer. Uh, I'm, I'm not really concerned about how it's then connected or or the transfer of data from A to B. So we've probably gone back to actually when Windows first came out, when a lot of food service operators and I can remember this, that, you know, Windows terminals, Windows tools, Windows operators is a very open. The first open source sort of you know, solution. So we had a lot of companies r- racing solutions to the hospitality industry and we ended up with spaghetti topology. We're probably gone full circle again now. Is that we've got um, lots of applications, lots of connections, lots of moving parts? Is that scalable? You know, is that something that you can take from a few stores to a hundred stores to a thousand stores across an area? And I think I'm speaking to a lot of 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 operators and CIOs about. Okay, we've got all this great tech. How do we normalize it in the center? You know, because we've all been there michael when when you ring up a or you use an app or you ring up for a delivery or you want to collect something and the systems don't talk together and you've ordered something and you've placed it and you've paid and you've been given a delivery time and before you know it the restaurant manager's phoning you up and saying i'm really sorry we ran out of that 2 hours ago and as a consumer you go why didn't the system tell me that you know so i think i think we've got a role to play to to really start to focus now on how do we improve those customer journeys? How do we get consistency? But also importantly, and we forget about this sometimes, how do we help the staff? Because I think we touched on it uh, sort of when we spoke previously, uh, not today, but about, you know, the labor challenges that we're now facing, you know, the, the industry is suffering from labor. So how do we help the staff with technology, whether it's front of house or back of house? Because, if if we've got a, a sort of a casual dining um, operation that then starts to offer off-premise, we don't want to swap either channel, swamp either channel. You know, we don't want 100 orders coming in and the staff can't, the chefs in the kitchen can't prepare the 100 orders and then disappoint paying customers that come in your restaurant. So how do you find the balance? You know, and, and that's not just through consumer tech of of, of acquisition of the order, but more in the production side, the predictability, how much mise en place do you need to prepare? How do you stage the tables? How do you get the cook times right? Because if we bring all that together, we can manage not only customer expectations, but also staff availability, staff productivity, so that we don't swap, swamp. So I keep saying swap, swamp, they you know, they're just overwhelmed. Um, and I think that's something we've got to be careful of.
0: Yeah. And I guess also that we have to remember that, you know, these, you know, sometimes frontline employees don't go around waiting for a new technology to be put in their hand. It's just a new thing they have to learn maybe. And it's already huge pressure. So again, how do you get that actually put in their hand in the right way? Because often my experience has been, and I think there's been a lot of Harvard research on how you get things implemented in a front line, if it's technology or not technology, actually fails because the decision was made. This is great. This will make our business better. Let's just implement, but forgot to involve the front line and hear what their concerns was about this or capability gap. There will be people. That you know, I've met people in shops that said, "Yeah, we got this new thing. I don't know how to take the order, so I just need to wait. Till somebody comes, so I can take your order, or you, you can get your order and go." And then you think, "Wow, that's interesting. You've been put out there to communicate with customers, but you haven't learned how to actually ignite the conversation or all the transaction." Have you seen that as well as a you know, especially when we've thrown so much technology into the mix as we have over the last eighteen months?
1: Yeah, I think. I think technologists, and I think the last eighteen months and operators, you're right. We focus on the acquisition. It goes back to my looking after the staff as much as anything. I think as technologists, we've also got to look at um, the employees and and the people that use the technology and and the generation today. You know, my daughters are twenty one and nineteen. They're used to everything in their right hand with their swiping and gesturing and everything else. So we have to think in that mindset when we're doing customer experience. Yeah, And it's fine when we're doing sort of web apps and, and things along those lines because there's great amount of experience in that. But we then have to think about that. How do we then put that in the hands of a, uh, the waiting staff, the bar staff? How do we make it simple for people to use that they could basically pick up a handheld device and within two minutes, of an online training you know a good example is the the ios of of apple when you get a new features it drives you through the new features and within five minutes you understand the new features that are on the ios or on your mobile device we have to start thinking about how do we put technology in the hands of the waiting staff the kitchen staff the bar staff but make it intuitive make it simple less industrial point of sale as i call it of the big square buttons and loads of routines that you have to follow through how do we make it simple and then going forward how do how does voice play you know how does glass play how does new technology play in that you know maybe with with the advent of artificial intelligence and a bit of robotics and a bit of Some of the other things that are coming out is how do kitchen screens become voice activated. How do we use Google Glass for kitchen screens? How do we use Google Glass or or some sort of eyewear for table statuses? So you look around uh, a bit of augmented reality and see the table status of where Michael is with his family. Has he had a drink in the last five minutes? Has he had uh, his first check? Does he need to pay his bill? Has he pressed a button on the table? Did he want some service? So, you know, how do we get technology and, and to work for us to help our, our, our staff become um, more productive, more profitable, more quickly?
0: Yeah, and I guess it comes back to this uh, old saying, I always say technology should either, you know, save you, your time or make your money.
1: And I also think it's important that operators look at how technology runs their, their operations. You know, the the Europeans on their sort of, uh, you know, you'll know this from Denmark, uh, Michael, and when you're down in the squares and that they have big tables outside. And it's been great in London this year in Soho, seeing operators have outside terraces and outside dining. I think it's fantastic. It's It's been a real Philip for the industry. But if, if you look in Germany and Holland and, and Denmark, you know, you have your best sellers on the floor. They never leave the terrace, they never leave the tables and then they have runners running the food and the drink, you know, and and giving technology to those key staff that really drive the tables or, or really drive the sales on the tables, but then have runners coming out. That's where technology can really help, not only for the the check spend, but also for the, the table turns, for the, uh, being reactive to the customers, you know, and that's where infrastructure, you mentioned it earlier has to come in as well, that you've got to have good Wi-Fi. You've got to have good wireless. You've got to provide it not only for your staff, but also for customers as well, because they all want to get connected.
0: Yeah, and it's so interesting. You can still, after we open up, you can still, I was a bit surprised, you can still go in somewhere. Maybe you have some time between things, you're in transition, and you buy a coffee or some food. And I'm still surprised about the quality of the difficulty sometimes to get on the the, the Wi-Fi. And actually how much I have to give away to actually just get access as well. That's another thing like how, how, how many steps do I want to go through to get Wi-Fi? I'm just going to stay on my phone network then and accept that I don't have the best Wi-Fi, but that's OK.
1: But you go back three or four years ago and people used to make you pay for the Wi-Fi. You know, you go in hotels and you'd have to pay a lot of money for high speed Wi-Fi or dial up or whatever it might be. And, it, and it's become a utility now. Um, and, and that's where technology has become in my opinion it is the equivalent to gas electric water lights for instance it is a utility and people expect it they expect it on all the time and that's where technology in restaurants is becoming now is it's a utility that always has to be on accessible easy to use and available
0: so Tim, we already you know we already touched on you know there's no doubt about technology can help operators in, in many ways they can save time we can save money it can improve the employee and customer journey one of the things i was sitting and thinking about like you mentioned we had had this you know, crazy rush to implement technology and we created a spaghetti bowl as you said and i guess now and i think we also touch on it like now people have to step back and make a, a plan a, a, you know a, And maybe almost a digital strategy. And then, how do we untangle all this? And where do we start? And what comes first? Fix the fundamentals in principle. Is that what you see as well? uh, Like, you know, the the most savvy operators are doing now. And what are typical things you see around the strategy work on this? Because I guess it's good to know you need to do something, but you need to have a plan, I guess.
1: I think what's really interesting is a lot of operators have taken the time to really analyze their operation. I'll give you a good example. I spoke to a restauranteur in North America who was he runs about 14 very good quality restaurants in in the Seattle area. He was lunch and dinner seven days a week, full time of staff, really hard to get staff. The pandemic has changed his mindset completely. You know, he's now only open five days a week. He's now only open for dinner. He's got his chefs more um, dynamically. You know position to just do the dinner service the waiting staff he's got his best sellers. He he's he's lost a lot of staff but he's kept his best sellers. technology is not only helping him in store with with production but with reservations with the box meals that he does he's formed he's created a whole retail offering and and virtual dinners and and a sort of an off-premise um, conference and banqueting virtually that is still going on. For, for companies and for, for operators. So on one side, it's allowed operators to really take a step back and think about their business. But then they're challenging operations and IT and, and marketing to say, okay, how does technology play a part going forward? You know, And if we've got 10 different delivery aggregators, if we've got 10 different apps, if we've got different point of sale systems, if we've got different profiles, how do we bring that all together so that We really target our customers so people are taking a step back and to your point they're saying we've got all these interconnected solutions and applications how do we take a step back and where do we want to be next summer and what does the business because when we get the influx of tourists again when we start to travel through airports how can we learn from what we've done and get you know a backbone together and and another thing that we're seeing is that we're seeing that people want to um, streamline their IT. They don't want a big IT department. They want to have suppliers, Oracle and, and, and others, to provide the whole service so that they're just consumers of the tech, consumers of the applications. You know, very much like, and I, I use the utility analogy again, is, you know, you don't have people managing your gas networks. They don't want people managing their, their IT networks. So. They want to work with, you know, they want to get a strategy together that has that that transactional platform that has multiple points of service, that has connectivity to their back end systems, that able to provide real time data so that a, a store manager or a CEO can make decisions today and, and, and affect the P&L today and not go back historically and say, if only we'd have done that, we would have made an extra few points here or there or we would have given the best customer service. But at the end of the day, we're a service industry and we've got to look after our customers and we've got to give them a great consumer customer experience, whether it's on premise, whether it's off premise, whether it's via aggregators, because that brand is the brand across all the different channels now. And if if you're an on premise brand that's gone on to off premise, you can, you can upset your customers as much as an off-premise as you can on an on-premise. There's probably nothing new here to, to operators listening, but how do we get consistency? How do we have a great customer experience? You know, whether it's a delivery, collection, takeaway, or actually sat in the restaurant, that's the challenge.
0: Yeah, and it's quite, what you're saying as well, is that, you know, you know implementing a lot of digital tools are not going to solve the the key about what is all about exactly understanding the positioning of what your customers want and needs uh but technology will maybe help you get it to them in a more frictionless or faster way or in a different way the way they want it in a way and and it's quite interesting i had a couple conversation where People have said, you know, some of the most progressive operator, uh, Hugo Engel from from Leon had talked a lot about in a conversation I had with him about actually what they spend a lot of time now was they got all this extra data in and they needed to understand what that data was saying to them because that will maybe change the way they operate the business model, as you said, They're like how do we actually build technology around our our business model so worked both in the hands of the customers and the employees. So we actually, you know, build one layer at a time, but we need to look at the data because the data will tell us something. There's some stories within that, good or bad, that we either need to scale some of the good stuff or we need to find a solution on some of the things that doesn't work. You know, or he said, like, could it be that suddenly our managers spending more time on administrating, you know, data points they shouldn't really spend time on? They should just be giving them, as you said as well, just to be in the fingertips of them, so they can make a decision. Um, I think, yeah, that's that, Like, that's a huge thing. Data in itself is a complex thing, and there's so much data already in the system you have. I guess, like, if you have point of sale or any other tool, you have to pre- predict your production and so on. There's so much data you can look at there and start building your strategy from.
1: Yeah, the, the data is really as a really interesting subject that's be going to is going to come to the fore let's call it post, you know, COVID. Um, as you've just said, there's so many touch points of data, um, known and unknown data. It's how do you interpret it and what tools do we give operators so that it doesn't become analysis paralysis? You know, we, we don't want, in my opinion, we don't want managers sat behind a computer screen looking at visualizations and data flows and, and mapping and and... You know, we want we need tools that actually replay the data in a meaningful, normalized format that's relevant. And, and we have all these data t- touch points floating around everywhere, as you said, point of sale, credit cards, you know, cameras, traffic, whatever it might be. How do we make it relevant? know, I'll give you a good example. If, if you think about production, we focus a lot about wastage, but we don't really think about do we have enough product to sell? And how can we predict how much we need to sell in two, three, four hours based on metrics or data that we don't usually think about? You know, what about fog and weather, traffic patterns, you know, in an airport, how does the delayed airline due to fog affect how many people are in in the, the terminal? How do we then make sure that we're preparing, whether it's sandwiches or hot food or cold food, on the shelf, ready to sell? Because we've all been at Heathrow and walked past food and beverage outlets and they're empty, you know, but their waste is zero. But what have they lost through the lost sale, not through controlling their waste? You know, and that's that's an interesting conundrum. So I agree with you. Data is they call data the new oil. It is. But you've got to make it meaningful for our industry. And I think predictive and analytics and, and, and patterns. Will become more and more important post-pandemic about forecasting. You know, how can you start to predict habits of people, whether it's in a sandwich shop in London, whether it's in a restaurant? You know, if you go back to the early days, Michael, of mise en place in the kitchen, where you used to think, oh, how many chicken do I need to prepare? And oh, I'll have this in the trays and I'll cook, I'll chop up all my mise en place trays, et cetera, et cetera. It will come a time where we will actually predict. How many chicken you need to prepare? You know, how many pizzas need to have, you know, cheese, ham and tomatoes on, because that'll equate for three or four different types of pizza. So that we're we're being more you know, we're using them as production to meet the demands of the business. And I think that's where data starts to play.
0: It's quite interesting to say that, Tim, because one of the things I've always taken with me for my time in McDonald's was uh predict, you know, your how do you actually build the sales you want and how do you build back from that budget to have enough staff and food ready for those times and within, you know, five minutes intervals. And I was very surprised when I asked somebody, so how many burgers do we need to sell to reach, you know, let's say a hundred thousand that weekend. And what do you mean? You know, how many, we always do 50 every day, but could you sell 75 maybe? Why why are you asking that question? Because we need to know. I said we need to start tracking this. And we, we did in the old days. We just build a, a massive billboard on the back of a wall with a pen and paper. And we started tracking. We found out we were not preparing enough food to we we're actually losing sales up to 20%. When we started predict trying to predict it and find out the the patterns in those days, suddenly on specific items, very specific items, sales exploded uh and of course that gave us a staffing challenge because suddenly we had to staff different so and we found out we were budgeting very wrong compared to what the the capacity and the opportunity for that unit that restaurant in itself was um, and that was not a McDonald's restaurant that was a a cafe business you know and that, that was like huge huge on the bottom line in the end of the year
1: and imagine taking that from sort of predicting a week ahead to predicting in the next hour to then predicting in the next 30 minutes and and when we start to crunch this data and we take, you know, um, factors and data points in store, out of the store, uh, environmental data points, and we start to crunch this and we can get accurate on, you know, to your point on the burgers. Oh, I think there's going to be a rush on burgers in the next two hours. You need to, you know, this is the time every five minutes, how many burgers you need to to prepare. And, oh, you need to go and get two extra staff on because we're going to be hit in 30 minutes with you know, can we call some casual labor in, it'll change the dynamic. And that's when data becomes important. Um, Not only the way that we collate the data, but more importantly, how we then play that data back to the operators. Because we can sit in head office and we can sit as analysts, but we've got to show that. And you you hit the nail on the head of how it was before, on the back of a wall with, with data points and pins. Now imagine that on a big screen in the restaurant, with very simple graphics showing you how many you need to make in real time to meet the demand that will come.
0: Yeah. We talked about um, prediction analytics, behavioral analytics, and you also mentioned voice, which was already on the, the drawing board pre-pandemic. I think McDonald's took a quite big share. They bought actually voice technology company. Um, so McDonald's have already said that this, this is the future somehow we just need to find out how we make work in the customer journey and employee journey um what else do you think that's coming up the next couple of years when it comes to digital and hospitality oh, that's
1: a million dollar question it's
0: um, the crystal ball question the, yeah
1: the, the crystal ball question I, I think I think over the next 12 18 months there'll be the consolidation they'll be getting the the centralized systems in place they'll be removing the spaghetti they'll be You know, we talk about point of sale. I say point of sale is dead. Points of service is very much alive. So there'll be all sorts of different points of service available, whether it's in store or out of store. I use voice as a point of service, whether it's voice in your car, the use of voice in a kitchen, the use of voice at a kiosk, um, the use of voice at a drive-through pillow. Um, I think glass has some legs in it. It, we're still sort of playing around with 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 glass, and what does that mean for restaurants? Um, you know, expensive shop equipment for for sort of kitchen monitors or hostess stands or or something along those lines. Um, and and I think data and and the sort of the I, I think the other thing that's interesting is is the definition of loyalty moving forward. It's really not a new tech phenomenon, but what is what is loyalty? You know, you, you and I have probably seen loyalty programs come in cycles and different ways of loyalty over the years. So it's going to be interesting to see the definition of loyalty post-pandemic and what does that mean? Um, robotic technology, you know, when we see the, the Amazon robots strolling around Milton Keynes delivering groceries, you know, drones, you know, there's talk about drones in different areas you know, when you see, in in Africa the use of drones to deliver blood to remote areas in in near real time it, that makes it interesting to see okay how do we start to deliver food to remote areas in in you know where delivery zones don't cover like country you know out in the country or in the mountains or wherever how would drones be used to do delivery so i think there's a lot of blue sky thinking but i think bringing it back to reality for the next couple of years is How do we get the infrastructure in place, the the platforms in place, the consistency in place to manage whatever endpoint, whatever point of service we have, or who comes out with it next to make sure that we have that endpoint solid in an area, in a geography, globally, et cetera, et cetera?
0: yeah, and that also connects very well with what you said before that you know you you told the story about the operator in North America around Seattle that has changed their whole business model. So there's a whole new way of working in that business that has to be learned as well, I guess. And you know, and I guess that the way we are been working typically as hospitality business has been very top down, where technology is almost shifting that power out to the front line, where, you know, meaning that you have to involve the frontline much more to make this work because that's the reality of the you know that or else it would fail your business will fail if you don't get them involved and they don't feel engaged that's the whole staffing crisis issues we mean in employee engagement being an attractive employer all that has to be taken into account as well
1: if you think about hospitality and food and beverage we go for an experience you know if you take your family out if i go out with with my family and 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 post-pandemic, now it's, it's about experiences. Um, it's, it's making sure that we don't become too robotic with technology because we want to go out and have great experience. And technology plays a really important role in a great customer experience, whether it's on the table, whether it's at lunchtime because you want to eat quickly and go, whether it's having something delivered to your house. So technology has a really important part to play but we've got to give great experiences because at the end of the day, we're also a service industry and it's the people that work in our industry that that create those services. But the technology needs to be there to help them create those great experiences. Um, and, and, I, and I don't think we should lose sight. there. You know, technology does create theatre, whether it's the cruise ships with the robotic arms or the, the salad mixing machines um, in, in North America or, or the the conveyor belt, the roller coaster restaurant at the theme parks, that the foods delivered to your table on a roller coaster. That's all great experiences, but but technology is an enabler, in my opinion, to to give great experiences.
0: Another thing we we touched on as well, I guess, is the implementation of of this and how you actually make that happen. Is there like any, you know, for for people as looking to You know, untangle the spaghetti bowl. Where where should they go and actually get the insights, the learning from? Because again, there's a whole new demand here for knowledge and insights.
1: You've got to look at it along the lines of what we do even in our home when we put our home networks in or or connected devices. Is pick a platform that's in the center that is robust, available twenty four seven, that that's uh, industry recognised that has a lot of good investment on the platform to 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 make it available like a utility and then add the applications that drive benefits in your business so whether it's point of sale point of service kitchen display systems credit card loyalty aggregators you know but but get the end point right first get the backbone right first um, a lot of the time, people rush out for the next new shiny thing. It's not implemented or integrated ideally, and unfortunately, it then falls over and and it gets a bad reputation through no fault of its own. Because there are a lot of fantastic companies out there offering technology, but you've got to make sure you've got that endpoint, especially in an enterprise. You've got that endpoint that's consistent, always available, always online. Uh, and can manage the transactions and then pick what drives the best value to the consumer internally so don't go with a big bang because and and especially on a new opening everybody is focused on opening the restaurant making sure it's right getting the food perfect the last thing you need is hundreds and hundreds of apps that you're trying to bring together pick the ones that will work for you on day one then add over time the technology that that helps with business challenges, provides benefits, drives customer success and tr- drives customer service.
0: Moving on from uh, the conversation about designization and uh, how we're going to make all that happen. You also, you know, a leader, a uh, person, a family person, and you've been through this transformation or whatever it is we can call over the last 12, 18 months. What, what kind of lessons are you taking with your, or what are you leaving behind maybe even?
1: I think if you split it between personal and professional, I think on the personal side, um, not traveling as much as I did has made me reconnect and, and value and appreciate my family a lot more. Um, and I think a lot of people will probably say the same is, you know, po- pre pandemic, where we were running at 100 miles an hour, we probably really didn't appreciate our family as much as we should. Um, and I think the pandemic has, has enabled me to reconnect not just to my immediate family, but to the wider family and appreciate um, the family and what that brings. Because I know there's a lot of people and I've had friends that have lost family members due to the the awful disease and just appreciating the support that they they give it, to me and, and to others. I think that's the first thing. From a professional point of view, from my team, it's it's making sure that we communicate Uh, We're transparent. We work with them. We actually help them because it's challenging time. You know, I'm very lucky. I've got a I've got a home office. I can work. But, you know, some people that, that, that live in smaller flats, central London in lockdown, that's their living room, office, dining room. You know, it was really challenging and being supportive and working with the team and communicating and doing our utmost to to keep the business ticking on and working very hard. And then for the industry, I think the industry is a fantastic industry. Um, I think we have some great people that work in, in the industry in whatever guise it might be, whether it's tech, whether it's restaurants, whether it's kitchen staff. And I think one thing coming out of it, people need to respect that it's a career. You can make a career in the hospitality industry, that it's, it's something that should be valued. And I just hope the consumers going forward recognize, you know, what it's been through, what the industry has been through and also then support it even more more often than it did in the past. You know, it really upsets me when I speak to some operators who at a weekend, one of our local pubs had a table of 16 people and they just didn't show up. And, you know, 16 people as they're trying to get back on their feet and people just don't have the common courtesy to ring up and cancel um i think we've got to support the industry because i think it's without it we all suffer
0: tim if you should get the stage here and give your like top three advice to to leaders out there what they need to focus on right now you know in the current situation what would your your advice be
1: well that's a really good question i think one look after the people that work with you uh look after your customers and more importantly, in some respects, is look after yourself. Um, so the people make businesses. Um, and, and you know, I know from my experiences working with the teams that I look after during the pandemic is, is making sure that we communicate regularly, that we help them in the situations. We appreciate, you know, their working environments. Um, you know, some of us are very lucky to have home offices set up. Others didn't have it, but be be accommodating, um, make us, you know, we've made ourselves more flexible and, and that's the way forward. I think there's a challenge there in how the next generation um, gets educated, but but we'll cross that bridge. I think second thing is look after your customers. Um, they drive our businesses, be respectful. Look from a customer eyes as well when you go out sometimes or whether you go in, whether it's Servicing technology, whether it's eating in a restaurant, whether it's getting petrol in a petrol station, think about the customer service and the customer journey that they go through and, and learn from that and continue to refine your customer service and customer journey. And then finally, because I know I forget about this sometimes, is, is look after yourself. Um, we tend to work at 100 miles an hour or we did post pandemic. And I think the pandemic has made us all realize that we're not immortal and we have to look after ourselves um look after our families um because you know there's there's a lot to live for and and we've got great times ahead and you know you've got to look after yourself um and i think that's important both mentally and physically um so i i think those are the three things nothing earth shattering but just three simple people customer and yourself i would say
0: now i'll we'll call them the the absolute f- uh, fundamentals for uh and then then the all all the other stuff comes i think it was really good especially i think that we all have found out that we are immortal uh during the pandemic in in many ways and um you know i think also there's I had this conversation with a lot of senior people they say that you know their capacity from a brain power and energy point of view is not the same Not yet, and they don't even know if they're ever going to get there again because it actually took, it's been so, such a hard process. So, actually, just accepting that that's not a, maybe it's not a viable way to work. Maybe that's just accepting that, as one of them said, like, I shouldn't have been working like that. But now, actually, I have to work through my teams. Or I think you mentioned an operator reduced opening days. That takes a lot of strain of you as a, a senior person as well. But they are making maybe the same money or more. That's also, some of the conversations I had. So that, that's been absolutely super interesting, uh, Tim. Where, where can people find out more about you if they want to reach out to you and Oracle, where the best places to go?
1: Well, oracle.com, industries, food and beverage. You'll find a lot of blogs that, that I've written. So Oracle blogs and food and beverage. I, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Tim Brown, Oracle F&B. I, I'm more than happy to reach out to people. Uh, I use Twitter occasionally, Tim P. Brown um so yep yeah, but more than happy to to speak to anybody um discuss the industry discuss technology um happy to chat
0: great great thank you so much for for coming on the show tim uh, i send you and, and the team at oracle power and energy for for the time ahead and uh, i'm sure we'll catch up soon yep
1: yeah, thank you very much michael it's been fun
0: Thank you so much, Tim, for sharing your deep insights and wisdom on digital transformation and hospitality. I would recommend you now to sit down with pen and paper and ask yourself, have you thought well enough about how you can take your digitalization journey to the next steps? So actually, it put most positive impact both on the employee and customer journey. To get further inspiration, how to build great digital transformation, I would recommend you to tune in to episode 83 with Mark Boston who is the Vice President and Oracle on digital strategy. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at BizSimply.com or on their social at BizSimply or BizSimplyHQ. You can also email them directly on advice at BizSimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlson, who's the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the newsletter. And download free leadership tools at hospitalitymaverick.com. Don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. I'm Michael Tingser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be Maverick.